0: Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York.
1: It's only a kick. (laughs) A jump. A block. (laughs) It's only a serve. (laughs) It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help.
2: You're listening to DraftKings Network. Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. I'm Jesse Cofield. Fellas, it's time to go around and give out some superlatives, okay? So we're going to go through and start with most surprising 2-0 team. What do you guys think?
0: Yeah, so week two NFL superlative, dad, uh, looking around right now, most surprising 2-0, 0-2. We've mentioned so many of the statistics about how that start can affect your ability to eventually make the playoffs, the likelihood of teams doing that. So feels like an important one there. To me, there is an easy answer for most surprising 2-0 and team. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who most people expected coming into this season were going to be set to Tank for, you know, whichever quarterback in college you choose to slot up top right now. If it's Crater for Caleb, that was supposed to be the squad. Baker Mayfield named the starter. Most people, myself included, looked at and said, all right, the NFL's rambling man right now, a guy who seems – pretty destined to be a journeyman who's capable of lifting your floor some. And they've gone out here and been able to make this happen now two weeks in a row. So I will say it's the Buccaneers overwhelming.
3: I'm going to stay in that same division. Remember, this was a division that had a losing record Tampa Bay make the playoffs last year, right? Right now they have three undefeated teams. New Orleans, the team you just talked about, Tampa Bay, and the team I'll go with, Atlanta. Trying to find out, is Desmond Ritter going to be the guy for them? But you like what they're building on offense. Bijan Robinson, a running back who they drafted. Kyle Pitts, at tight end. Drake London, not a wide receiver. You like what they're doing on the offensive side. And they're 2-0. and A win over the Panthers where you don't really say a whole lot. But they do get the one-point win over Green Bay, which has been a bit surprising uh, this year in Jordan Love's play. So I'll stay right in that division. While I agree, Tampa Bay is there as well. I'm surprised with Atlanta, quite honestly, surprised with that whole division uh, right now. As we were saying, somebody's got to win that division. But right now, three undefeated teams is pretty impressive. And we talked about the
0: ease of schedule was going to be a huge factor for all of them, right? Buccaneers, their wins over the Vikings and the Bears, albeit the Vikings were on the road. The Vikings were a playoff team last year, even (laughs) if it's one that we all think overachieved quite a bit during the course of that season. Um, Dad, let's go most surprising 0-2 team. Uh, Up until this point, again, I think this is one that has a pretty easy answer. The Los Angeles Chargers are simply too good to be this bad record wise. And it's prompted us to ask a lot of uncomfortable questions about Brandon Staley and his future with that team. But this start for this team is disastrous in a season where we always say, "Well, injury has got to be the thing that undermines the Chargers," and so far, it's been the Chargers that have undermined the Chargers.
3: Yeah, I, I would, I would lean toward them as well. I'll put Minnesota in there. Just we, we usually see Minnesota have a really good regular season. We saw what they did last year, and then falter in the playoffs and starting off zero oh, and two. As you know, we talked to Kirk uh, Cousins earlier about that. He's playing great in that. It's still with Justin Jefferson, the best receiver in the league. You had traded for TJ Hawkinson. So you, you have some power on that Jordan offense Addison, side of, of the ball, Jordan. Got exactly. USC. So you expect a little more, but their defense was bad last year. They're still not very good this year. But still in the regular season, they have been better. Interesting matchup, you know, because the, the, the two teams we said are most surprising yes. are playing one another the Vikings and the Chargers. Somebody's going to be 0 3. Here's your stat since uh 2002, 99 teams have gone 0 and 3. One made the playoffs, the 2018 Texans. Wow. Made the playoffs in 18. That's it. Since 02 if you're 0 and 3. So the battle to not be 0 and 3, the Chargers and the Vikings coming up this Sunday.
0: My god. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's a that's a real loser leaves town match right there. Yeah. And, and for the Vikings that it's interesting because I I It is surprising given what they did last year, but also at the same time, it's not surprising given what they did last year. We've said it till we're blue in the face on this show, but an NFL record, 11 wins in one score games last season. It's just not sustainable to live like that. Their games have both been close so far this Mm -hmm. season. And I think we looked and said, all right, when you looked last year, a lot of it was things like, you know, special teams yard differential or penalty differential with teams, all these little areas that can ultimately be difficult to replicate year in and year out. The offense is going to stay very good. And I think the defense still could get better, right? There were a lot of people that thought – what Brian Flores was going to come over and do a more attacking style of defense could make better use of some of the pieces on Minnesota's defense. But so far that has yet to bear fruit. So I'll still look at the chargers, but that Vikings team certainly not far behind them in that category. Let's go with uh, rookie of the year of week two, uh, as we try and boil down each season to a week here with a lot of these guys. But Dan, we're already getting into territory where, I don't know if we can over-exaggerate the Bijan Robinson accolades at this point here. He has been out and out sensational for this Atlanta Falcons team. And we've had all the discourse about running backs in the first round and where you pick them and yada yada yada, could they have used more help on defense? That guy has been ad- as advertised so far inside of the Arthur Smith offense that we thought the positionless football, all the fun things about that that would be are there. He just moves different than about 99% of the players at his position in the NFL to where forget just best rookie. He is going to be already in the conversation for best running back yeah. in the league at this rate. You know,
3: he's a guy who maybe that running back position is looking at to say, is he going to kind of bring the running back value back up? For what he's doing, running the ball and catching the ball out of the backfielders. It's still going to be that first contract. Maybe get that tough to get the second one to get the amount of money that you want. A lot hinging on him, and he is delivering. Uh, to, just to go different, I'll look at the rookie quarterbacks right now, and I'll look at CJ Stroud. CJ Stroud, while the Texans are 0 2, he's the first quarterback to go his first two games over 80 pass attempts and no interceptions in their last game, which was a loss. I get it 30 of 47, 384, a couple of touchdowns no interceptions. That's been a key because that's what you see with the young players a lot is turnovers. Um, uh, And so I I think out of the rookie quarterbacks, I don't know if you would agree or not, he's been doing the best. Now, Anthony Richardson has been running very well. Though unfortunately, the the one of the touchdown runs he got hit in the back of his head hit off the ground and he was in concussion protocol. That's the one thing that's going to be an issue with him. He likes to run and he is going to get hit. And I know he's a big guy, but he is going to get hit an awful lot. So hopefully he'll learn you know, what hits to take and what uh, hits not to take. Now, this one, he's trying to get in the end zone, so it's going to happen. But I'm going to go with C.J. Stroud right now for his ability to really to not turn the ball over as he's learning and growing in the process.
0: Yeah, I I think that's definitely the answer. And statistically, he's overwhelming, and he's the most traditional-looking, right? For without a doubt. it's you're overwhelmed by the entire package right now. And I think for him, the expectation for both was different coming into the season because even though it got proven to be largely incorrect throughout the draft process, this idea that Anthony Richardson was this overly raw process who was just the sum of his athletic gifts. As we went on getting in the lead up of draft, more and more people saw, no, there's a lot of clean football on tape for this guy at Florida, albeit with just limited starts, but there's still some stuff that needed polish. I think there's still been that understanding that, all right, he's further ahead than most people mm-hmm. thought, but the gifts also still translate so overwhelmingly physically when he gets out there on the field, when he does cut, loose and run. C.J. Stroud was expected to be one of the two best quarterbacks yes. in the conversation for the number one overall pick and has come in so far and has looked apart. Now, it hasn't had any sort of protection no help. whatsoever. 11, sacked
3: 11 times in the first two games, yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, I saw Austin Gale, who used to be with uh, Pro Football Focus, point out that through two weeks on True Media, C.J. Stroud's EPA per dropback splits – When he's clean in the pocket, when he's under pressure, when he's clean in the pocket, it's 0.5. That's second best in the NFL as far as his expected points added per drop back. Every time he drops back, how much better is he making that team? He is second in the NFL with a clean pocket. Under pressure, he drops to 32nd in football. They've had difficulty protecting him. The offensive line has been banged up to start the year. And so you can see, though, brighter days ahead as that team improves around him.
3: Part of the bill, right? And that's what you do around a younger quarterback. You know you're going to have growing pains. It can be tough, especially if you have veterans in the locker room who know your time is limited in the NFL. And basically, if you got a rookie quarterback, you're not going anywhere. No. And you're, and you're going to have to learn. But what young players do you have around this quarterback that's going to become the core? Because you see, you know, core starting to form on certain teams. But are they older players and are they going to have to be replaced by younger players at some point?
0: You know, what? it's interesting to that standpoint, I wish I could find uh, which reporter I saw bring this up but I saw people tweeting after the game about the buzz in the Houston Texans locker room and the feeling amongst so many players on that team was said to be, Hey, we've got the guy at quarterback. And dad, while you're talking about that effect of a veteran Mm -hmm. locker room, I do think looking and seeing, Oh, Oh, we've got something special there for guys, especially that have been around the league for a while Mm -hmm. and have lived through thin years or lean years at that position or have been on other teams where they've got a guy that you clearly see, isn't going to be a reason you win. We saw it with the Jets on hard knocks when you get a Hall of Famer how clear that is. Yeah. But I'm sure to see, oh, our team's got a guy and he's young and we're going to be here through the best years has to be really tantalizing. And, and
3: that's when you can make your moves. You know, like you talked about the other side, forgetting even Zach Wilson go before that and Sam Darnold yeah. where you thought you had your franchise. You didn't. You thought you had your franchise. You didn't. You bring in a Hall of Famer who's 39 years old. If you can say this is our guy – Now you can start spending that money around before you have to spend money on him. Yeah. You know, you get that. That's when you can build the best when you have that quarterback on that rookie deal who's playing well. You see a growing team start to spend the money to build around him. And I think that's what they're going to get in Houston.
0: All right. Let's go from rookie of the year of the week to uh, biggest injury Mm. of the week. And dad, it, it, it feels hard to go for anything other than the Nick Chubb injury that we saw last night. Although I will say Joe Burrow's lingering calf injury as far as importance to the team, just because it is your quarterback, you obviously just paid him, but also the expectations for this team. They are supposed to be right Right. in line with the Kansas City Chiefs as far as a Super Bowl contender in the AFC year in and year out. And so maybe just because of positional value, I might put that in the same breath, but we know Nick Chubb's one of the best, if not the best running backs in the NFL, and that was devastating. to watch.
3: And even if Cleveland is trying to now move more toward having Deshaun Watson leading that offense, that's not working. I know it's early in the season, sure. but it's not working. So you always had the tried and true, reliable Nick Chubb to turn around and hand the ball off to with one of the better old lines, run blocking. They didn't really show it pass blocking last night, but run blocking. So you had that. If nothing else, if it wasn't going to lead your offense, it was going to be a fail-safe for your offense, and now that's gone. But you can look at, you know, Saquon Barkley, you know, being out for the Giants and taking that away from Daniel Jones. David Montgomery, we talked about Jameer Gibbs and what he was going to bring to that Lions offense. Well, it had been Montgomery who would be getting the lion's share, pardon the pun, of of touches, and, and now he's out as well. So there's been some pretty damning injuries, but the one for Nick Chubb, forgetting just what they lose, just the severity of that injury. It was just brutal.
0: And, and I mean, Monday Night Football last night was a bit of a meat grinder. It too. was. I mean, yeah. you saw Zadaria Smith leave at one point in the game for the Cleveland Browns. Denzel Ward went to the locker room. Greg Newsom had an injury. Minka Fitzpatrick was ruled out of the game with a chest injury. It went along. So it was just a game where, unfortunately, on a night where we saw far too much of that creeping into the picture. Uh, all right, Dad, week two MVP overall. Uh, I'm going to go with Chris Jones. Coming back for the Kansas City Chiefs. Because we talk so much about his holdout and what it did or didn't accomplish. And it really didn't amount to a whole lot as far as financial security that he was looking for there. But his impact on the field remains unquestioned. Comes back, has one and a half sacks in this game, gets to the quarterback a number of times. I saw ESPN has that metric. And I have to say it's slow because, God, I, I am begging you, Seth Walder and the guys over at ESPN Stats and Info, the great analytics team there, we need a smoother name for this. Pass rush win rate which is really difficult to say Yeah, it is. You do have to say it slow. You're right. Chris Jones was around 40%, which was one of the tops in football. One-week sample size, but that means, for anyone unfamiliar, in pass rush win rate, it is the percentage of time that you beat an offensive lineman in under two and a half seconds, that kind of mark of how long a quarterback holds a ball. So he was doing that on 40% of his snaps against the Jaguars this last week, which could be an indictment of the Jags. But I also choose to look at the player that had 15-and-a-half sacks playing D-tackle last year and say he's just really good at this and first rattle out of the box coming back after that holdout crushed it.
3: Oh, he was, he was fantastic. I mean, what he did, every, everything he was cracked up to be. It's still weird to me how he came back on that one-year deal, you know, which yeah. really that, a clear win for the Chiefs over Chris Jones, just looking like he wanted to get back on uh, to the field. I'm going to go with Geno Smith. Gino, you know, you look at Seattle in that first week when they got shelled by the Rams, it was a bit surprising. And now they played Detroit, who got that huge win on Thursday night, get all that rest going into the second game because it was on Thursday night. And Seattle ends up outscoring them 37-31. Gino Gino Smith completes over 70% of his passes, two touchdowns, no interceptions, 328 yards. He got back to looking like when Geno resurrected his career last year, I thought it was a nice game for them and a big win because all of a sudden after week one and that loss to the Rams, which we didn't think a whole lot about, we thought, wait a minute, OK, is Seattle now reverting to what we thought they were going to be last year when they surprised everybody? Is this really what they are? Geno Smith comes through with a big game. D- uh, DK Metcalf has a nice game as well. Big catches under big situations. But I thought it was a nice week two for them coming off of what happened in week one and having a team on 11 days rest with a real big win in their first week in Detroit. I, I,
0: we, we knew that the Seahawks were going to be good this year. We knew that the 49ers were going to be great this year. I think overall, though, looking at the NFC West, the Cardinals have been a much tougher out than people expected for a team that yep. seemed to be openly tanking. <clears throat> and then how about the Rams now? We mentioned – That Seahawks team, part of it was people looked at that loss the first week and said, the Rams, really? That team that we didn't expect much of this year. And now through two weeks, the Rams went tooth and nail with that 49ers team this past week in a way that I think showed they're going to be a lot more competitive with a healthy Matthew Stafford. And to their credit, we talked about the F them picks model and the fact that they didn't own a first rounder for like eight years, it felt like. Right but they've made it up in other areas now. And some of their younger drafted guys, we know Puka Nikula has become a household name. I
3: mean, unreal.
0: Tutu Atwell, Kyron Williams, Steve Avila, their draft pick on the offensive line this year, Byron Young on the defensive side of the ball, Ernest Jones, like all of these guys that are not yet household names, but seem to be good players that they've picked up at a time where resources were scarce for them has now already translated into a more competitive team through two weeks than most of us expected. And we knew the
3: team was going to change with all the moves they made to win the yeah. Super Bowl. And again, you win the Super Bowl, every move you made was the right move, sure, right? Because, because it paid off. But you knew there was going to be, you know, you know kind of tilling the soil there of, of youth. And now they have one of the youngest, I think the youngest roster. I think the second, second youngest, youngest roster. In so you knew region. you were going to have to grow there, but we're getting to who knew that Puka and Tutu were going to be two names we were going to be stop, spouting off as for the Rams. I mean, Puka has what, 35 targets in two games, 25 receptions in two games. It's stunning. I, I
0: think he has the most receptions through a two, two game games, stretch in he NFL does. history. He to does. Start a career.
3: It's unbelievable. Puka and Tutu. That's where we're going with the Rams. No Cooper Cup. He's still, you know, I don't know when he's going to be back. That yeah. is just a horrible situation with his hamstring I mean, that's and seeing a good, But that's
0: another good reminder Holy that smokes, they yes. were walking into this season without the second best player on there, the third best player on the roster. Right. How you organize him in Stafford after Aaron <laughs> And you don't know
3: what the hell's going on with Cam Akers, who's just a healthy scratch all the time. So, is he going to get traded? And you know now, are the Browns going to be looking for a guy like that possibly? Uh, but Kyron Williams is getting you know the snaps now. The former uh, Notre Dame guy there. Uh, but the Cam Akers situation last year for personal reasons, missing game this year. And they've made abundantly
0: not, clear they both it is not. It is not the same that. Thing it's exactly
3: season. right. So it looks like you know t- time is uh, ticking
0: on that one for him possibly to be somewhere else. But uh, yeah, overall, <laughs> cannot say enough about how impressive the Rams have been. Yeah. Through two weeks. Instead, that we expected them to be in this next conversation for our NFL Week 2 superlatives here. The crater for Caleb or do bad for Drake team of the week. Do bad for Drake. I see. Yeah, I listen, that one's still up for consideration. I think we crowdsourced that for a while. Echo Joe and Golik on Twitter. If you've got a better Drake May tanking slogan, because I do firmly believe that's going to be a conversation about him and Caleb Williams, even though Caleb has been singeing eyebrows off with yes. his play yeah. so far to start this season. Uh, dead the team that I will give this award to because we came into the year again thinking it was going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers who are right? now 2-0, yeah. uh, think it was going to be the Arizona Cardinals who are still very they're, much in play. They're 0-2, bad. right? They're right. 0-2, but a feisty 0-2 I agree. expected. Uh, the Chicago Bears I'm, uh, look lost right now. This is a team that we know was in the conversation had the number one pick this year, traded it to Carolina for that haul, and has drafted good players Sawed off a lot of their arm last year defensively with the trades for Roquan Smith and guys like that. But, Dad, this continues to be an offensive scheme that seems to fight its quarterback more than embrace him. We had the concerns about effort week one from certain players on the team, but also did the lack of designed rushing attempts for one of the best running quarterbacks in the league. This was the Matt Nagy slogan that he seemed to be trying to go square peg round hole with his quarterback. But it seems like the current administration under Matt Eberflus is content to do the same thing. I'm not saying that Justin Fields is blameless in all this, but I'm saying that in a league that is more apt to meet your young quarterbacks halfway than ever, they seem to still not be willing to do so with theirs. I
3: did a couple of their games last year and was just amazed, amazed at just what you said. And I would say it on air. Why are they not designing things for Justin Fields sure. and, and his ability and his ability? Luke Getz, the offensive coordinator uh, there. And, and I, I don't understand it. And, and I was one of those that said, do not trade Justin Fields away to get that number one pick. Keep him. But this is going to be kind of that year on where do you go? And I thought they tried to build around him, trading for DJ Moore and trying to get him some help. The old line still is certainly an issue there. But I thought they're trying to make the positive moves to help him. But I agree. I don't think they're helping him very much with the play calling there. And is this a team that if they're bad enough, you know they're going
0: to go down the quarterback road. To your point about the play calling, I saw Bill Barnwell at ESPN bring this up the other day. The Bears have called four. Four. Designed runs for Justin Fields. Don't understand the it. Season. Inexcusable. Coming up next, let's take a look ahead at the weekend slate as we are live here in South Bend, which will be home to the center of the college football universe this weekend. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So, what what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shot If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge, you grab the bull by the horns, you find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision, and just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice-cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. That brings up other
3: things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar
0: pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy.
2: And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York.
0: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Mike Golik Jr., Mike Golik Sr., Jesse Cofield, and... Uh, well, Jesse is holding it down for us in the lovely Boston studios at DraftKings headquarters, dad and I are both out in South Bend for this week here, which we know is going to lead to some pickleball at some point. We're going to yep. try and make sure that is documented as my mom and dad are talking a hot mess of you-know-what about playing me and my sister-in-law in pickleball. Uh, that is upcoming. Mm-hmm. We're going to make sure there's video of that as I wash your guys' face in that. You guys
3: will be fighting, the two of you and Jenny. It's just a
0: matter of time. We will see if that video is able to do the kind of numbers and really the game this weekend in South Bend is Ohio State and Notre Dame are going to play. Top 10 matchup, college game day coming to town. Deb, they got a tall order to overcome here because the numbers have come out from ESPN PR for that Colorado-Colorado State game from last Monstrous. week. Monstrous. The fifth most watched college football game on record at ESPN, shattering the previous ESPN late primetime window. Because remember, that game ended around two o'clock Eastern. It was the 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern kick. It was ESPN ABC's fourth best regular season game in the last six years. ESPN's most non-streamed regular season college football game of all time and peaked around 11 o'clock. With eleven point one million viewers, Dad. I
3: mean that—that's amazing. I mean that—that's ten o'clock start. I mean th- this one, Notre Dame and Ohio State is like true prime time, yeah, seven thirty. I, I mean
0: they played in the slot where we're used to chasing over yes, with Hawaii yes, overnight when you've had we're looking, a bad for, day. we're looking for bad beats. You know yes. that's why we're tuning into those games. That's a sicko's window. Uh, that's it, not a prime time. And window. that was a and
3: that's because of primetime and and what he's done there without question. And they have a tall order. I know that's a game you're calling. Yeah, Colorado going to Oregon and the back to back Oregon. USC, that's a good matchup. But there's six ranked, ranked, including Notre Dame, Ohio State, plus Florida State, Clemson. Clemson not ranked right now. Florida State is. So what a slate of games this week, headed by you know Notre Dame, Ohio State coming up here in South Bend. Last year they opened the season at Ohio State with a with a with an Ohio State victory, closer than a lot of people thought this year, and that was with Notre Dame. Breaking in a new quarterback after injury, their second teamer yeah. this year. It's Ohio State who has started a new quarterback. He's got a few Kyle McCord's gotten a few games under his
0: belt to get ready for this game, and uh, when that belt includes Marvin Harrison oh my Jr. as one of the pieces on it, wow. Uh, it, the task this weekend is so fascinating for this Notre Dame team dad, who has reason to be more confident than ever. Marcus Freeman in this press conference yesterday was talking about the difference of having a Sam Hartman at quarterback who's played in as yeah. many big games as yeah. we've talked to we're blue in the face about the advantages of having a quarterback of that caliber. But this weekend is one of the biggest tests, Dad. I came on record at the beginning of the season and said, Notre Dame's season would be defined a lot more by the floor than by the ceiling. Would you go out and win games like Central Michigan last week, where it was a little closer for a little longer than you expected, but ultimately were able to pull away? Did exactly
3: what they should have done. Exactly.
0: It it, has shifted some now because of how potent they've looked and because of how good Sam's been individually. Now he's got an extra game, so most of the counting stats, he's going to be at the helmet, but even efficiency stats, he's near the top of college football most everything, yards per completion, all the things that Notre Dame has not known about for a long time. And so now you start to look at the Ohio State, the SC game, Clemson. We've got to kind of put in a different category at this point because they've just not been in that group of teams. This is going to go a lot further in defining that. Marcus Freeman keeps citing, hey, this is a guy that's played in big games, which, dad, is going to have to mean that transfers in the preparation to the rest of the team that has not been on the winning side of as many big games as we would like in Notre Dame's recent history.
3: So, I mean, in this game, we know Ohio State has, has pass rushers, has a D-line. Notre Dame is anchored by two excellent tackles, one who will be you know a high first-round draft pick in Joe Alt at left tackle. They have Blake Fisher on the other side. They had to replace their guards. They have an experienced center. So that, to me, and a lot of times this is where it is. It's the unsexy part of the game, right, uh, talking about line play. But this is going to be huge here because pressure on Sam, The one thing you talk about, all those stats about Sam, the extra game, and this and that, the most important number to me for Sam is the number zero. And that's the number of interceptions he's thrown. So not turning the ball over has been huge for Notre Dame, and especially in this game, what a test it'll be. But that D-line for Ohio State, name the, you know, the, the NFLers they have already on that and yeah. what they're going to have out of this group against this O-line, which is going to have a couple of NFLers. Well, you just made,
0: you made the point. The edge matchup in this game oh. is an NFL football game. Yes, it is. Joe Alt and Blake Fisher, Notre Dame's yep. two tackles are both going to be Sunday guys, Alt, even the highest Sunday guy of that group. But then JT Tuamalo, <laughs> who burst onto the scene last year, we really right. had the big game against Penn State where he had multiple sacks, the interception in that game. He looked awesome. And then Jack Sawyer on the other side. Of him, who looks every bit of a maven on that side, so you're going to watch an NFL matchup on the edge of this offense. It's going to be where it is everywhere else. You know, coming into this season, Ohio State secondary that used to be the hallmark of that defense, little more a question than normal. And for Notre Dame, a young receiving core that's looked good at points this season, but is still by no means the strength of this offense. So it's going to be fascinating to watch that. Dad, I tend to look at the Notre Dame defense, and say that's a group that so far has underperformed. I saw Bill Connolly's SP plus that. They've underperformed relative to that, what they've been expected to go out and accomplish in a lot of these games, but they're going to be fully healthy this week. J.D. Bertrand, one of their captains and starting linebackers, was out this last week. You've got what I'd imagine will be an interesting revenge game for Javante Jean-Baptiste, the former Ohio State pass rusher who is now on the Notre Dame side of things healthy across the board there. And for Notre Dame, that secondary led by Benjamin Morrison, who's one of the best cornerbacks in football, was an All-American last year. How they're going to approach guarding Marvin Harrison Jr., having, I hope, two sets of eyes on him at all times. As great as Ben is, Marvin Harrison Jr. is the kind of generational talent at that position, and we don't use the G word lightly. That means you've got to account so much of your resources towards that guy and then it's going to be can your players in the box that are a little bit lighter in the ass than most hold up against Ohio State and these great running backs that they've got because that could be the challenge that comes when you've got to devote all that time and energy to Marvin
3: and you saw of Michigan making yards on that Notre Dame defense right up the gut yeah I mean no, no nothing fancy at all straight up the middle making yards that has to stop for sure but man I'm looking forward to Cam Hart on one side Ben Morrison on the other the cornerbacks they're strong there they're some deep there where they have some slot corners as well to cover maybe not so much at the safety position so I'm interested to see how they match up with Marvin Harrison uh, Jr. in this and also the fact that Notre Dame doesn't get great pressure one-on-one no they get it by the blitz so if you're blitzing, you're really putting those guys on an island. How do you cover – how are they going to cover Marvin Harrison with the corners and with the safeties when you're kind of bringing the house a little
0: bit to get some pressure? You mentioned there's a whole bunch <laughs> of other ranked friend matchups on the slate this yeah. week. This is really payment for what we all suffered through last, last week. week you're right. The games ended up being more entertaining than we expected, right. but certainly not qualifying as good. I, I think, Dad, one of the more interesting ones for a lot of reasons is number 24 <laughs> Iowa on the road at number 7 Penn State. <laughs> One, because we have the hilarious subplot of the drive for 325. Yes, we do. Offensive coordinator Brian ferrens's quest to score 25 points a game as part of a contract stipulation for him. But also, Dad, this Iowa defense is blue-chip stock. They are nothing fancy. They run a 4 They go out there and they just play sound football and they suffocate people. For Penn State and Drew Aller, their quarterback, it's been a lot of good, but also a little bit inconsistent. Yeah. You'd expect with a young player, right, right. he's going to get stress test against a really good defense this coming week. That should be indicative of just how high the Penn State machine can climb this year. What is
3: the over in this one? I mean, holy smokes! I'm going under all the way. Uh, now for Iowa in the in the drive for what? The drive for twenty five, three twenty five, three twenty five. They're averaging. Yes, they average twenty five points a game. Right now they're averaging twenty eight points a game, thanks to the forty one they put on uh, Western Michigan uh, last week. They've scored twenty. 20 and 41 uh so the average is over 25 right now but it, it is never you know we, we don't think of Iowa as this this offensive juggernaut by any standpoint so I think this is a low scoring game and I, and I do think that Penn State ends up winning this one the
0: Hawkeyes are five and four uh at Penn State under head coach Kurt Farrens and I think a lot more people because we've seen Wisconsin has been underwhelming in the Big Ten West. So it yep. looks like Iowa's side of the or yep. Iowa's division on that side of the conference to lose. But this to me is about in the early portion of this season. While we've got a lot of teams that are still undefeated with a lot of hopes out there who really haven't played a whole lot of anybody yet, outside of teams like Texas that have gone out and got <laughs> one of the marquee wins in the early point of the season there really haven't been a lot of other great measuring stick games. Florida State and LSU, I guess I should throw in that as well. They've been hard to come by, and so especially now that we're getting into conference play, games like this are going to be very, very important. So looking forward to watching that unfold. Looking forward to uh, coming up later in the show. (laughs) Really having to put my hand up and admit that I made a mistake uh, on the front with Iowa. <laughs> but coming up next, we're going to talk to college football writer Nicole Arbach about some of the headlines around the sport next on Gojo and Golik. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boost, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans will feel a little bit more confident about the situation.
2: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. I'm Jesse Cofield. There has been an update on the Mel Tucker situation. Michigan State University informed him in a letter Monday of the school's intent to terminate his contract for cause, citing a body of undisputed evidence of misconduct that warrants termination. Guys, uh, this is an update we're getting, and you've got Nicole Arbach with you to break this one down.
0: Yes, and we greatly appreciate Nicole's help today and every day. Senior writer over at The Athletic and NBC Sports College Football Insider. And, And Nicole, Jesse mentioned the update there. Can you take us back for just a brief second on the timeline of events that we've seen since the USA Today article came out documenting Mel Tucker and this inappropriate relationship that he had been a part of at the center of these allegations?
1: Yeah, this has all happened really quickly. And so basically that article comes out overnight, Saturday into Sunday, and Michigan State decides to suspend Mel Tucker the very next day, essentially for a code of conduct violation, like if you think about the way that they described it. But it took a couple of days to get a little clarity because they had a very short press conference. They didn't answer a lot of questions. And Mel Tucker eventually puts out a statement trying to defend himself and and clear his name. He calls the entire investigatory process a sham and really takes aim at Michigan State for even investigating a relationship between him and and an adult woman. But obviously, the school feels that this was something that they could investigate. So that's where we start, because there's two different processes that they could have taken here. I talked to a lot of Title IX and investigation experts last week, and what they described to me was you could have waited for the formal grievance process, which would have included the hearing that we know would have taken place and will still take place, by the way, in October. But then after that, there's a you got to wait. And then there's a formal written report. And and that gives you a finding and a determination. And that could help the school fire Tucker for cause. But we're talking that that could be a month after the hearing. So that is a long term potential outcome here. Or the school could have taken the route that they did, which was basically to go after Mel Tucker for violating the terms of his contract. So they said that the things that he admitted to doing to investigators and that the statements he's made since this all became public, that they violated various parts of his contract. So there was one part where he was supposed to be um, presenting himself as professionally and ethically as at all times. And we know he Lied to investigators because he got caught in a couple of lies about where he was when he had this phone call, et cetera, et cetera. And then also there was a second part where it's the moral turpitude clause, right? Like, did he do something? It's a morals clause. Did he do something that was um, against, you know, kind of the morals of the school and what he's supposed to represent as the head football coach? And there was part of that about like bringing public ridicule onto the school. And they argued that he did all of those things because of the negative attention that this brought. And just in general, engaging in a relationship with a vendor, someone that the school has paid to bring in to educate their athletes. And then it it especially underscores the point that Brenda Tracy is involved in teaching young men how to behave in relationships with women or how to treat women right and not have sexual misconduct, not sexual assault and how to intervene as a bystander, all of those types of of, of very important lessons, and that it is especially egregious for Mel Tucker to embarrass the university by trying to engage in a relationship with her while she's a vendor of the school. And then we also know that he then, you know, she wasn't supposed to come back. So those are part of the reasons that the school decided they could investigate this, but that's not why they decided to terminate him. They're saying that essentially that he did not, react or behave himself professionally, ethically, responsibly, and that he brought embarrassment and ridicule to the school.
3: I, you know, Nicole, I saw your tweets yesterday, like the four page letter. It seemed like that could have been replaced by we're going to fire you because you're really dumb. I mean, it's just just ridiculous what Mel Tucker had the position he put himself into here. And there are those that reading through all of it, Nicole, are going to try and break it down and say, well, on the other side, I can say, wait a minute, if these are two consenting adults." why is this a situation where mel tucker could get fired
1: so that's a great question that was the the first question that i had when i was talking to experts about this and the reason that the school started the investigation after brenda tracy filed a complaint was because she was considered a contractor of the school and because again according to her complaint and as we now know from the you know the investigation and what was reported by usa today Mel Tucker was supposed to bring her back to talk to a team, and then he canceled that. So the school said, A, this is an ongoing, this is a relationship with a vendor, a contractor. So therefore, we have some jurisdiction here. But also, because the visit was canceled, it affects the ongoing relationship from a business standpoint for the school. So that's why they were able to go at this from the path of going through the investigation and the grievance process. But again, now they're basically just saying, like, your judgment was bad. You embarrassed us and you violated the terms of your contract. So, again, they're they're basically that letter. The four page letter was like throwing the kitchen sink at him because, again, they're trying to fire him for cause. So they need to say all of these different ways that you violated the terms of your contract. So we don't have to pay you 70, 80 million dollars, whatever that final number is. And we don't know if for sure they're going to be able to not have to pay him at all. But they're throwing the kitchen sink and showing all of the different ways That they believe he violated policies.
3: He signed a $95 million deal of which 79 million is still on the table.
0: And and so that's a huge factor uh, going forward in the for cause portion of it. Like Nicole mentioned, Nicole, we've only got about a minute left. You mentioned the hearing coming up in October. That's still scheduled right now. What role, if any, is that going to play in the proceedings from here on out as far as it concerns Mel Tucker's job?
1: Right. At this point, it may not really affect his job because you know, the school already gave him notice to terminate. So he has seven days to respond, but they could fire him six days from now and the hearing will still go on. It will go on without his participation. And even if he is fired, because the point of these processes and these investigations is that you need to have a finding. It needs to result in something so that let's say if it's not a high profile football coach where everyone knows the behavior and it was a professor. Uh, If they didn't get all the way to the end and have a formal finding, that person could get hired somewhere else if they just got fired in the process. So you need to reach the end of the process. And that's why you can do it with or without that person's participation at the hearing. And there will be, again, a final written decision and a determination when all is said and done.
0: And that is what we have coming up again. but. Uh, for anyone, again, just joining us now, Michigan State has sent Mel Tucker in that multiple page letter the notice of their intent to terminate him as their head football coach as the result of these allegations. Nicole, thank you so much for the time and the explanation on all of this, all the great work you've done covering it. We really appreciate it. Absolutely.
1: Anytime, guys.
3: So, you know, it's a team that still has to play games, right? They're 2-1. and They just lost to Washington. Washington, like they do to everybody, put up a lot of points against them. Longtime MSU assistant Harlan Barnett has been the interim coach. They brought in former Michigan State coach uh, Mark D'Antonio in a consulting role to kind of help them out as they work through this.
0: Yeah, and and now this is going to be the difficult part in all of this is where do you go from here, especially for a school that Michigan State overall – has had far too many headlines yeah. yep. dealing with sexual impropriety and yep. misconduct around that campus and so dad whatever you do next you're going to have to do very carefully because there is certainly the understanding on one side that yes this is a program where this flirt and football matters a lot but also you're dealing with a perception that has been created by the actions on your campus of who people think of and what people think of when they think of Michigan state. And so you have got to go over the top in vetting the next candidate for your head coaching job, that this is someone you're going to be able to trust out at the helm, representing your university. Because again, going back to what Nicole said there, about what can be proven and what cannot be in here. What is indisputable is that Mel Tucker went out with his actions and publicly embarrassed his employer and the university at a time where they are extremely (laughs) vulnerable and sensitive to headlines around this, around that university. And so that is going to be what you've got to have at the top of the list of what you want out of the next coast is someone that's not going to put you out like this publicly again.
3: And that's two schools, right? So Michigan State, you know, you mentioned all that's going on on that campus, Northwestern. Same way, right? Not just the football team there with Pat Fitzgerald, but other sports as well. So it's kind of a, well, boy, things need to be cleaned up overall in these programs. And and where does it start and where does it finish? Because you got to change that perception.
0: Yes, exactly. So Perception,
3: uh, it's not a perception, it's It's reality. reality. Yes, it is
0: the reality (laughs) and and the the appearance of the program from the outside world. So uh, we will wait and see further what happens on that as Nicole really, really uh, artfully laid out for us. Coming up next, though, we will get ready to end the show the way that we always do this, that, and the third. Coming up here on Gojo and Bowler.
2: All right, guys, we're in the heat of the summer and you need a pair of great shades that you don't have to baby. Knockaround Sunglasses is the go-to for quality polarized shades that won't break the bank. Plus, they just released the first set of teams of their official MLB collection, including Red Sox and Yankees. Don't be the person that's squinting into the sun or worried about getting sand on their overpriced sunglasses. Check out knockaround.com for great-looking polarized shades starting at just 28 bucks. And use code Golik for free shipping on your order.
0: Welcome back to Gojo and Golik. Uh here to finish off the show the way we always do. This, that, and the third. Three quick stories to end your day. As always. Make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review. Leave us that five-star rating. Check us out, DraftKings YouTube, DraftKingsNetwork.com, Samsung TV Plus, and more coming soon um, from 8 to 10 AM Eastern, Monday through Friday, live. Dad, let's get to this. Mm-hmm. Um, one of these stranger stories in America over the last few days yeah. has been the disappearance of an F-35 military marine aircraft uh, that was deployed. Apparently, the pilot was forced to eject. Right. During the course of a fright. And they just straight up lost the damn. Yeah, no it is? Pilot's fine. Right. Pilot is fine. Right. Everything's good. Now, we have just gotten news yesterday that apparently debris from that missing F-35 was sou- found in South Carolina. But, Dad, the fact that we had like a full scale manhunt basically putting this thing on the side of milk cartons for about a day and a half little bit embarrassing look for the military, right? The fact that they couldn't put, like, they got those little apps for luggage that you get lost on a plane trip that you can use out there, Jesse, for civilians. The fact that we couldn't find this plane for an entire day, not exactly the look I want projected to the rest of the world.
2: I don't know. I don't know. Because clearly the jet's stealth abilities are second to none. We can't even find it. It is so stealthy. So I don't know. Maybe it's just a case of the technology working too well
0: hoisted by our own Putar.
3: even if we have the stealth, it's stealth. Shouldn't we know where our stealth planes are
0: if it in fact was stealth? But see, you know what? Jesse's got the right PR spin there. It's sorry. We did such a good job. Ah. even We couldn't find this thing. So military members who might be flying this. Look, you're going to be safe wherever we send you in Cause, this because if the might of the American military, which, by the way, I would go back to for them. Remember, they came out pretty quickly when that whole submersible thing happened. Yeah. And said, Oh yeah, we got sound and knew about that yeah. days ago we, and we, we knew were just about going it a through a ago. military yeah. training operation, kind of like trying to flex in the middle of a tragedy, which is yeah. wild. But <clears throat> I would say I would point to that and say, We know where stuff is generally pretty well, and we were able to even hide this from ourselves. Big spin zone state. Imagine
3: this meeting, though, and we're all they're all getting together trying to decide, OK, how are we going to portray this one? <laughs> where, where, where are we going to go with this? Talk about needing a common sense person in that meeting. Of, yeah. We lost one of our planes and they're always great when a when a plane, you know, and, and again, nobody in it, nobody got killed. So we're happy about that. But they always let us know how much the plane costs. Oh, yeah. You know, and, and and if it's pilot error, do they take it out of his pay?
0: I mean, you know, what,
3: Definitely what happens? Definitely
2: not. He does not have <laughs> a spare 100 milli hanging around. <laughs>
0: I wonder if this is like a Ferris-Bueller protocol where they're trying, they took the car out for the joyride in the middle of the day and now they're trying in the, the garage to see if Just they can reverse set the,
3: it. Set the odometer
2: back. Yeah. I feel like the, the play the is odometer. not to ask the public for help in this situation. For help, it? You pretend I hate that the truth. You pre- pretend that everything's going according to plan, and you figure it out later. But this whole like, hey guys, we lost a plane. It's flying around somewhere on autopilot. So if you see it, give us a call. Probably so, yeah, not here's, the flight,
3: here's the flight pattern. Anybody that's around that flight pattern, see if you can see anything.
0: I mean, the U.S. government's got so many years of denying the existence of US o- UFOs. UFOs. I yeah, thought yeah. this would be the protocol of just saying, oh, nope, just government training exercise, nothing to see here. And if you do, then they just come in and men and black you with the reminder. exactly something. right. Be cool if that thing was actually real. I mean, we don't and know. It, it might stop. be. Uh, Let's get to, speaking of air travel, uh, let's get to that, Jesse, as we had an interesting situation for an NFL running back and some of his family members this weekend.
2: Yeah, Raheem Mostert is beefing with an airline, American Airlines to be exact. So he tweeted at them saying, how do you bump a mom traveling with three kids off a flight out of Rhode Island? I score two touchdowns against your home team, and this is what happens. Man, and guys, they responded so fast we'll have them on their way as swiftly as possible and we are sorry for the inconvenience this caused and it was hysterical all the people in the replies being like you're not sorry american airlines airlines are never sorry for delays and crap like that you can just feel everyone is really tense because nobody likes traveling by plane these days
0: is that the easiest victory to be had online is just going at outside of and i know big cats made a huge uh bit out of this if you're a member of the sports media and you publicly complain about airlines, you're not going to win that battle. No, But if you're basically anybody else, then it seems like this is the easiest win you can possibly get on God's end.
3: And and that's the one thing I I don't understand is the bumping process. There's got to be a process. But to have a mom with three kids picked out to say, yeah, you guys are the one get off the flight seems rather odd, but again, I don't know the process and it, it seems, I, I, I'm sure it, it got rectified, but uh, I love how most brought in the fact of, yeah, about what our team did to you guys. So you're taking it out of my family.
2: It's always
0: the tough part <laughs> yeah. because it never feels like I am the same way where I look at every individual airline <laughs> as a monster. Like most of them yeah. overall, what they represent, they understand we need them. And so because we're trapped inside that gigantic bus stop in the sky, they can pretty much do whatever they want. The problem is there's so many little people along the way. Like, it's never worked. Like, don't be MF in the gate agent. Or exactly. What works there. exactly. It's not right. their yeah, fault. But right. through all these collections of little people who I don't think have any control over the process versus, like, big airline monolith who's sitting at the top who I can never get to to yell at for all the things that happen.
3: Well, I business. mean, this, this is how it works, right? Jesse, I mean, you – Whenever there's a big company that wrongs somebody, everybody rips the big company, goes after them. But to Mike's point, and I always try when I'm going to the gate agent, this isn't directed at you. And then I go on my rant, just to make sure I've told them it's not directed at them, which I'm sure they still feel it's
0: directed at them.
2: Right, like I know you didn't come up with these policies, but I am upset because X, Y, and Z.
0: I mean, I think of the poor kids that have to run every airline social media account And just the hazard pay that they deserve after the fact, because I get none of it's directed at them, but prolonged exposure to that kind of sewage cannot be good for the human brain as someone that has existed on the internet for quite some time. (laughs) I can assure you of that. So whoever those kids are, uh, because I'm sure they are kids, uh, God gives his toughest battle to you, his strongest soldier. And in this case to Raheem Mostert's family. So we hope they got where they needed to go, especially for people traveling with kids because uh, I There is no greater challenge on this earth That I have seen and I maintain that if I run for public office ever, I will run on the platform that no parent should have to pay for anything as soon as they step on airport property. We got to put together some sort of fund to make it so the minute you walk in with kids, everyone at the counter just looks at you, goes, No, 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 you need this. Just go ahead and take whatever you need and get through this because you're in actual literal hell.
3: It's the one thing you do, look around. You know, when we travel for our games, we're traveling alone, right? And if there's a problem, you get bummed, but then you look around and you see parents or moms or something with their kids and you go okay you know what i'm gonna shut the hell up right now
0: and like some (laughs) of the people that will like eye roll like yes baby screaming and crying and they're active like we obviously have the like guy who challenged the baby to a fight on that one flight that was hilarious but in general anyone that rolls their eyes at a baby or has something snarky to say to parents mind your business the rest of the plane should be allowed to kick your ass because you're ridiculous
2: i like this last
3: story yeah Skylock kicked them
2: right off the plane
3: That's exactly right. I love this last story because this should have been me and it was
0: you and I'm so happy. Yeah, let's get to the third here, Jesse. I got got and found out that I am now officially (laughs) old on the internet.
2: I just want to say this Brian Ferencz video, you are not the only one who got got. Pretty much everyone on the internet thought that this was real and then somebody must have been like, wait a minute. So basically deep fakes have gone too far. This video came out. Everybody's reporting that it's real. There was cursing in it. And then we come to find out this is a deep fake video, which begs the question, what are we doing out here in the wild west of X, of Twitter, where you have no idea what's real and what's not?
0: I mean, it's a general internet problem too, but yeah, coming off the headlines that Elon Musk is talking about charging everybody on X, yeah, brother, <coughs> for this bunk yeah. product, Yeah, go I'll, ahead. yeah, be, be my guest. I'll see myself out. I got the blue sky code you guys are looking for, trust me. But... <laughs> jesse it, it is difficult so in the video brian ferrens the deep fake of him is addressing reporters after this last weekend about the contract clause the drive for 325 and then punctuates it with some pretty frosty yeah. language yeah he does you and can I climb like, oh, out man. of
2: my and i won't say it
0: yeah you can grab your step school and climb out of my bleep because i'm pretty sure we just scored 41 points this past week Yeah, dad you're right this is usually what happens to you jesse's right and the deep fakes have gotten really really good man i used to think i had it i used to think i was always taking the time to make sure and vet these things and then i could usually tell when the mouth was off in the deep fake this is a humbling moment where as i near my 40 30 year on this earth Uh i've realized the game might be passing me by
3: i I think you have to learn to do it my way barely answer on on twitter at all and when you do just do it for to to people you
0: know man you know what (laughs) I didn't think my Jersey retirement from Twitter would be coming this soon, but apparently I might be forced into it like a lot of other former professionals. Uh, Thanks so much. Download, subscribe, rate, review. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow.